Hey guys, it's William from New Blood Rising Podcast. Not going to take up too much of your time here. Just want to kind of set up and kind of clarify what the hell just happened with you. All of a sudden, you've got a you've got an episode from us. How did this happen? Well, here, Charlie's going to explain it as well. I just want to kind of give you just a brief setup here about what kind of things you're going to be seeing with this type of episode. This is an episode of Movies for Guys Who Like Movies, but it's special. We call it Quick Take. The reason we call it a Quick Take is it's not designed to be very long. You've heard us. We can go on close to three hours. Not always conducive for the people traveling to and from work, trips, whatnot. I know Jim Ashley. I know he's going to be driving his truck. I know he could be listening to something maybe three hours on long journeys. But sometimes for maybe the short ones, why not have one that is just kind of, uh, you know, between 10 and 30 minutes? That's the goal here. Quick takes. So we said it's for movies for guys like movies because that's what we're going to be talking about, our movies, because... We each of us each week, one of us ends up picking the movie that we're gonna do because we feel like it's a good one to talk about with the group. That doesn't work though for all the movies that each of us like. I have certain movies, Jason does, Charlie does, that we like a whole lot, but they don't necessarily fit for the roundtable discussion that we normally have. That's where these quick takes come in, and sometimes. When we're not able to necessarily record, like this week with Mother's Day, that's my bad. It completely screwed up the scheduling on that. The way we can try and bridge that is throw in a couple of these quick shots here for you. Talking about movies maybe you heard of, maybe you haven't, and you get to hear us talk about it sometimes very adamantly, passionately, why we love it, maybe why we're disappointed by it. You're going to hear everything about it. So uh, stay tuned. Charlie's going to be coming up next. He's going to be talking about a little flick called Father's Day, maybe one that I, hell, I know I had forgotten, and he'll tell you all about it from 1997 with Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. The point, the biggest thing with me coming online here, we need your feedback. We need it for this, especially because this is our little experiment here that we're trying. We want to hear what you think about it. There are three ways you can get in touch with us Twitter, at New Blood Pod, Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. And also, we have a Gmail, newbloodrisingpod at gmail.com. So Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail, you can get in touch with us. And we welcome it. We want to hear what you think of these quick takes. You're like, oh, heck yeah, I love Father's Day. I rock that shit out every year. Or if it's we're talking about, hey, you know, that Richard Donner cut of Superman, that just ain't my thing. I'm a, I'm a Richard Lester guy. Well, good for you. Let's hear about it. Let's talk about it. It'll be fun. Same thing with the wrestling shows. If you're all about the invasion and you're like, you know what? I dig Steve Austin being a coward, contrary to what William, Charlie, and Jason might say. Let's hear about it, friend. So that's the goal. Please, you know, let us know how we're doing. We want to hear about it. In the meantime, you know, I can't predict when we're going to have a quick take all the time. You know, if one of us gets a hair up our ass and wants to record, it's going to happen. So you'll get a little solo action from each of us. It'll be kind of fun. You'll, it'll be, it'll be cool. I don't know. Maybe it'll work. We'll hear from you about it. So without further ado, here's Charlie Stabile talking about Father's Day. Billy Crystal is a hotshot lawyer with commitment issues. Robin Williams is a writer with a phobia for life. Both men are told by a mutual ex-girlfriend that they are the father of her son, who has run away from home. It's Father's Day, on Movies for Guys Who Like Movies Quick Take. Jack Lawrence. Yeah, I have a son, Scott. Wow. He's yours. Dale Putley. I have a son. <laughs> I'm your dad. Hi, Scotty. I'm your papa, your daddy, your bear. Can I see him? Dale Scott's been missing. My son is missing? The only thing they have in common. Your son ran away? 
So do mine. How richly bizarre. Didn't get a picture? Happened 17 years ago. There he is. <laughs> oh, he's handsome. Thank you. <laughs> what is this, a joke? Hello? Who is the father? The truth is, I don't know. Please just find him. At least we know he ate. Oh. What is going on? Uh, hi, honey. Somebody call for a valet. I'm hosing him down, Jack. What? He's so slippery. I'll come back. Warner Brothers presents. Scott, 17 years ago, we both. Your mother. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Robin Williams. Oh, boy. Billy Crystal. I'm so you're right. No, I'm not all right. Will you get it off? All right, it was an accident. Oh, my God! Julia Louis-Dreyfus. This is your friend. Yes. Your, your shower buddy. Yes. Yes? No. no. No, we were never in the shower together. No. The boy and I were in the shower. Yeah, he was soaping him up and hosing him off. And I was just watching. That's all. <laughs> Nastasia Kinski. I feel like such a loser. Everybody thinks they're a loser when they're 16. To be a true loser takes years of dedicated ineptitude. <laughs> in an Ivan Reichman comedy. This is way too much trouble. That's why you don't have children. Watch yourself. You're too selfish. And you are a mess. Yes, I am a mess. But I am a work in progress, Jack. Hug me and let us join our spirits. Oh, boy. Father's Day. You're ruining my life. Yes, we gotta go. Which one of you is Scott's father? He is. Ha-ha! <laughs> Thank you very much. You want him? We got him. Movies for guys who like movies. Coming up next, only on TBS. bottle of wine and I am ready to podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Charlie Stabile, CM underscore stabs of the new Blood Rising podcast, bringing you the movies for guys who like movies quick take. Now what quick take is, is basically, it's a it's an offset of our movie portion of the podcast, but the only difference is, at least for me, it's a movie that we want to talk about, but we don't really think it would work so well on the show uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I have more of a personal stake in this film than probably Will or Jason, and I wouldn't want them to watch this film. (laughs) I wouldn't want to waste one of our discussions on talking about uh, this movie. I would pick a much better movie from one of these two actors. Um, So it is what it is. And if this podcast comes off a little sloppy or unedited, it's because I have done several takes and I have drank a lot of wine trying to get this right. I have now stopped pouring the wine into the glass after I hit the record button because I've only had to drink all of the wine when I hit re-record. So, let's uh, let's get into this thing. Um, what brought me to this movie... Uh, was basically, it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day come Sunday. I hope you got your mothers 
cards, flowers, whatever it takes. I know I'm going to see mine. But that got me to thinking about the fact that there is a new movie coming out on Friday called Mother's Day, another Gary Marshall Love Actually crap fest that is guaranteed to bomb. These things never do well. And that, of course, led me to Father's Day. And, of course, I was trying to think of a film to do that I wouldn't want to discuss in a group, but I'd want to discuss by myself. Father's Day seemed to really jump out at me because I remember when this came out. It was 1997. I remember seeing the trailers for it, and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal were two of my favorite actors, comedians, whatever you want to call them, of the time, and they still are. And I rented this movie when it came out, and it really hurt me to say as an 11-year-old that this wasn't a very good movie. And as I've gotten older, I've revisited the movie over the years, trying to figure out if something was wrong with me. I'm sure a lot of people have that, especially uh, children who definitely want to love a movie. And uh, I can't seem to find anything to really grab onto from the, from the performances, from the script, from anything. And I'm sure a lot of the listenership of our podcast doesn't know this movie. Or if they do know it, then they haven't seen it. I brought it up to Will in a phone call conversation just about an hour ago. And he had a hard time recollecting what this movie was. And then I jogged his memory with the trailer. Uh, it's a very mediocre trailer. By far. You can look it up on YouTube. It's, it's, it's just about as bad as the movie is. But... Um, Basically, what I want to talk about beforehand, what I, I like the behind-the-scenes stuff, if you've listened to the show. I, I, I love where these guys came from, what brought them together, what made them want to do this project. Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, of course, were a part of Comic Relief, which was a charity show that they would do with Whoopi Goldberg. They did this every year. I'm, I don't remember ever watching one. I think it was on premium cable. I can't remember. But it was very clear that they were very good friends. And I remember thinking before the movie came out why these guys didn't do a movie together. I loved Robin Williams from his uh, films Hook, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Popeye. I'm a secret fan of Popeye. I can admit that right now. Billy Crystal, I knew his movies too. I knew City Slickers. I knew Forget Paris. I loved these movies. And it just made sense that these guys should do a movie together. I always thought that a comedy team of two people, you can tell, usually, how funny they're going to be if they're just standing next to each other. It's the way it's always been. Uh, Laurel and Hardy, Chris Farley and David Spade, Abbott and Costello, the Three Stooges, even though that's three of them, you can see it just if they stand next to each other. If they can make you laugh. Like, Laurel and Hardy, their silhouette makes me laugh. So, this was a no-brainer. This, this should have worked. And it's not just from the acting standpoint. I mean, they've got great supporting actors in there, too. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, who was really hot. I believe the, the eighth season of Seinfeld was going on, so she had already racked up her Emmy Awards here. And, of course, uh, the behind-the-scenes, the directing, and the writing. And that's what I want to talk about mainly. I want to talk about Crystal Williams, the director, and the writers. The director of the film was Ivan Reitman. Uh, Ivan Reitman had made a name for himself with comedies. Uh, he made some of the best comedies of the day. He made Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Stripes. Yeah, he, 
he had a great filmography uh, up to this point uh, in 1993. Um, it's a movie no one really talks about anymore, but uh, Dave. Dave is a great movie. It's a great political satire, and it's a great comedy, and one of the best performances you'll see from Kevin Klein. And then there's, oh, also with Ivan Reitman that I want to talk about real quick is the Schwarzenegger trilogy. I truly believe that Ivan Reitman helped endear Arnold Schwarzenegger to a mass American audience with films like Twins, uh, Kindergarten Cop, not so much Junior. Junior should never be talked about. Junior was actually the film he did right before this. So the less said, the better. Although it might show why this film came to be in the first place. But like this, this is a director of immense comedic talent. But moving on to Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Um, before they met Billy Crystal, they did films such as Night Shift, which was the first Ron Howard film, if you don't count Grand Theft Auto. Most people don't. Uh, he, they also wrote Parenthood, a great Ron Howard film with Steve Martin. But then they met up with Billy Crystal. And I like every, or no, no, I'll, I love every film they wrote with Billy Crystal. City Slickers 1, City Slickers 2, Forget Paris, Mr. Saturday Night. These are great movies. They also wrote A League of Their Own. They wrote for they wrote Father's Day. There, it seemed like there's no way this movie could could miss. Now then, then there's Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal, I think, was on a bit of a career downslide at this point. Uh, his two biggest hits being When Harry Met Sally and City Slickers, critically and commercially. But then he ventured off into directing territory with Mr. Saturday Night, a film that I truly believe is an unsung masterpiece. I really do. And I know a lot of people uh, would give me shit for it, especially the ones that have seen it, but it's a great movie. It's got a great David Paymer supporting performance that got an Oscar nomination. And then he tried to rebound from that and he did City Slickers 2, figuring that if you went back to the well, considering that City Slickers was his highest grossing movie, there's no way it could miss. Well, it, it, it didn't miss, but it certainly didn't hit. Uh, City Slickers 2 was a very um, middling affair in terms of box office receipts and critical reception. I, I remember when the movie came out, my dad gave me the choice. I could see, We could go see City Slickers 2 or D2 The Mighty Ducks, being eight years old, and I still believe I made the right decision, I picked D2. In 1995, Billy Crystal would star in and direct Forget Paris. I assume he figured going back to City Slickers didn't work. Let's try to do When Harry Met Sally again, only let's do it as if When Harry Met Sally... Let's, let, let's do it as if they were married. And how a marriage works. And I actually think this movie works far better. Forget Paris is a fantastic romantic comedy that I would recommend to anybody. Now let's move over to Robin Williams. Robin Williams is a much different story, much different beast. He had a string of hits, top to bottom, year to year. I think he has one of the best three-year stretches of any actor ever with uh, 1991 with Hook, 1992 with Aladdin, and 93 with Mrs. Doubtfire. He could have retired and been a legend right there. But he continued, and luckily so, because there's there's scattershot good films from here on out, I think. Uh, 1995 saw Jumanji, which was 
in the vein of what he was doing at the time. And then there's Nine Months. A great comedic performance in not the best film, but not the worst. It's all right. 1996 saw him do Jack, Aladdin, Prince of Thieves, or... Prince of Thieves is Robin Hood. I keep saying that. It's got to be King of Thieves. I'm, and I'm not going to look it up. So there's Aladdin and, of course, uh, The Birdcage. Fantastic film. A remake of a French film much like Father's Day. The only difference being that Birdcage is a really good movie. But 1997, the year of Father's Day, saw three very different movies for him. One being the aforementioned movie Father's Day. Flubber, and Goodwill Hunting. And Goodwill Hunting was the movie that Robin Williams, of course, won the Academy Award for, very much deserved, um, for a role that almost went to Mel Gibson, believe it or not, and who happens to be in Father's Day. It's very interesting, some of the connections that you'll see in this film. So, from my eyes, from my personal perspective... Uh, as much as I hate to say it, because I'm a bigger Billy Crystal fan, Billy Crystal needed Robin Williams a lot more than Robin Williams needed him. And according to Billy Crystal, they spent 10, 12 years trying to find the right movie to do. And this was the movie that they agreed to do, a remake of the French film The Comdads with Gerard Depardieu. And yeah, on paper, on paper this sounds like a dynamite premise. It really does. But the way it goes about itself and the contrivances that it creates for the characters and the unlikability of the main characters is a real problem. And something that I wouldn't expect from Gans and Mandel. Um, so the budget of the film was $85 million, which I'm sure completely went to salary. The gross of the film ended up being $28 million in the United States with $35 million worldwide. And I'm... It, what can you say? It's, I, mean, I don't know what came out that weekend or the weekend after, but this movie really didn't stand a chance. And the trailer certainly didn't help. Um, of all the awards that this movie could have gotten nominated for, you would, you would definitely, after seeing this movie, go, oh, this movie certainly got a Razzie Award. And... In my opinion, and Will's too, uh, the Razzie Awards are a bunch of bullshit. Um, it's basically, like, nowadays when you see a Razzie Award, they just seem to nominate those the mainstream blockbuster movies. I mean, granted, sure, the Twilight movies are terrible. But sometimes they nominate stuff that just doesn't make any sense. You know, we're big Sylvester Stallone fans, and he, I believe he won the worst actor of the century, which is absolute nonsense. But, um... I think to really drive it home even more, this movie received one Razzie Award nomination. And it was for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus doesn't have enough to do in this movie to warrant a Razzie Award nomination. So, let's just throw that out the window because she's fine. She's a wonderful actress and she does good work in this movie. Uh, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal would actually... <laughs> it's very odd... Oh, and Julie Louis-Dreyfus would show up together in another movie in the same year. And it was a Woody Allen film, Deconstructing Harry, where Billy Crystal played the devil. And this is a much better movie. So if you're going to watch a Crystal Dreyfus-Williams movie from 1997, you should probably watch Deconstructing Harry. But 
though strangely enough, the one that they decide to star in instead of support in is the one that's bad. Needless to say. Uh, my So let's get into the movie a little bit. Uh, we've given it some backstory. Uh, I'm not going to go into it too much. I have not watched the movie in about a year, I'll be honest. But I have seen this movie a number of times over the years. I own it on DVD. And it's because I keep trying to give it another chance. And I don't hate this movie. I don't... I don't want anyone to think I hate this movie. A lot of people do. I just hate that it's not good. That's not to say that it's bad. But let's get into it. Right off the the bat um, is my favorite part of the movie, oddly enough. It's the opening credit sequence, which shows uh, real family taking pictures of the, of the, the boy. The boy in the movie as a child, set to Paul McCartney's song, Young Boy. Uh, which is a great song, and it's a great collage of pictures, and it really sets a, a nice tone for this movie that, unfortunately, the movie can't quite live up to and can't fulfill the promise that the opening credits gives out. So there's there's that. Um, it's pretty much all downhill from there, and it's it's nothing but complaints. And I do hate that my the first movie that I talk about is a movie that um, I'm going to be negative on because I... I no matter what we say on the New Blood Rising podcast, we don't like to dislike stuff. We're very adamant about that. We love being positive. Uh, there are a lot of podcasts out right now, wrestling podcasts. I don't know about movie because, well, I don't. I listen to more wrestling podcasts than anything. But they're very, they're very negative, for, and it seems like it's negative for negative sake. But it just can't help but to be said. This movie has too many bad things going on. Uh, you get the obligatory. Like, like, before I get into, before I get into it, um, this movie has a lot of weird stuff in it. Weird little things that you'd think you would have heard about, but you never did. Like, well, so let's break it down. You get the obligatory Robin Williams trying on clothes and various accents scene. Uh, and this is just painful. Family Guy made fun of this better than I ever possibly could. Yes, you get backwards cap... Robin Williams in this. It's it's awful. It was never funny. Um, except for maybe Mrs. Doubtfire when he's when he has Sally Field to play off of on the other end of the phone. Uh, you saw these a lot. And you also, in this time period, saw a lot of Robin Williams court scenes, as I recall, uh, with Mrs. Doubtfire, Patch Adams, stuff like that, where he had to convince the judge and jury that they were wrong and he was right. Luckily, Father's Day avoids this cliche. Billy Crystal does a headbutt. And as Will pointed out to me on the phone, it's very strange that in a movie with Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, and Mel Gibson, Billy Crystal is the one doing the headbutt. It's a very odd little character trait that he does, and he tries to teach Robin Williams how to do a headbutt. So... And that, that's a nice segue into what I'm going to talk about next, which is this movie is a result, or a, or a product, I should say, of its time. There were lots of movies that came out in the 90s about, and Robin Williams is in a few of them, about men who were trying to become better husbands, better fathers, through very odd means. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire was Robin Williams learning how to be a better father by dressing up as a woman. Uh, Billy Crystal's 
had one with City Slickers, which was learning how to be a better husband by going on a cattle drive with his friends. But the difference isn't as, and as odd as those two sound, for some reason those two worked. And this one really doesn't. Uh, as I said in the opening, Billy Crystal has commitment issues. Billy Crystal is engaged to the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character. Jack Lawrence is Billy Crystal's character, and uh, Julia Dreyfus' character's name is Carrie. He's engaged to her. I believe it's she wants to have kids, but he doesn't. He's very like, nervous about it. So it's something he has to overcome. And what Robin Williams has to overcome is to how to let go of his fear of the outside world by connecting with Billy Crystal, thereby connecting with um, this boy who he doesn't know whether or not he's his son. And that leads to my biggest problem with the film, which I'll get to at the end. So more strange things that are in this movie. Uh, let's get let's let's go back to Mel Gibson. So I believe that the reason why Mel Gibson is in this movie, and the sole reason why he's in this movie, is because it's oddly enough it's produced by Joel Silver. Joel Silver, the '80s action movie icon producer of Die Hard, Predator, Lethal Weapon. In particular, Lethal Weapon, and pretty much any Richard Donner film of the era. So, Mel G- it's not just the Lethal movies that he would produce. I believe he produced Maverick and Conspiracy Theory, movies like that. Uh, he would later go on to produce the Matrix films. Now, it's very odd to see him producing a comedy. And I'm sure that's how Mel Gibson got into this. And, and it's not so much weird that Mel Gibson is in this movie as it is that Mel Gibson is in this movie as a tattoo artist. Which in 2016 is actually kind of funny uh, that he would ever get a role like this. But in 1997, it must have just been quirky, I guess is the word that you could say. After all, what women want hadn't quite come out yet. Um, And let's get on to the strange subplot of the film, which is that... Um, the boy, his name is Scott. He has left his mother, he has left his father, he has gone on the road with his girlfriend and their friends to follow the band Sugar Ray. That one. And they even make a joke about it in the movie. Sugar Ray Leonard? No. Sugar Ray the band. And of course, they've never heard of them. But anyone who was my age or even 10, 15 years older knew who Sugar Ray was. And there's even a Sugar Ray concert. Uh, later on in the film, where Billy Crystal does get to pull off his ultra-effective headbutt. So let's let's get to the characters real quick, and, and the problems that I personally have with the film. Uh, the character of Scott. It probably wasn't a good idea to make the, the, the kid so unbelievably unlikable and bratty. Uh, he, he's not a good kid. No one would want to be a father to this kid. I mean, it's you know, he runs away, and that's one thing, and the reason why he runs away is completely justifiable. But the way he acts around Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, I mean, you could make an argument that while they're telling him that they're both his father, and they're not sure actually which one is the father, why he would react the way he would. But, I mean, he runs out on him. I remember there's a subplot about getting caught up with some kind of gang that they have to deal with in Las Vegas. Oh, the movie just is all over the board. So there's that. Um, but the character that I find the most complexing, the most odd, 
is the character of Colette, who is the mother of the boy. Colette is the ex-girlfriend of Jack Lawrence, Billy Crystal's character, Robin Williams' character, Dale Putley, and she is the one who tells them about their son missing, the son that neither one of them knew that they had. Her whole thought process of, well, my son's run away, what should I do? Well, she is remarried, or she is married, I don't, I don't think she ever married either one of them, to um, Bruce Greenwood. And this is very interesting to me, and, and I see where Will was coming from, and I get it, but it's still very odd. Uh, even though Billy Crystal is Billy Crystal, he's still a lawyer, so I can kind of make sense of it, but she goes from Billy Crystal to Robin Williams to Bruce Greenwood. Now, anyone who has seen Bruce Greenwood in anything, I mean, he, nothing against the guy, he's, he's fine, he's a, he's a good actor, but... Uh, Especially if you see the characters in this movie. What is what exactly is her type? Is my question. I, I don't understand that. And why she doesn't send him out to go looking for the boy. Because as I recall, he goes out on his own. Because the boy runs away because of a dispute that he has with Bruce Greenwood, his father. And Bruce Greenwood goes after him. And he gets caught in at this rest area... And there's this horrible comedic scene where he gets stuck in a porta potty, and the porta potty gets knocked over by one of those construction workers from Home Improvement. It's just all around bad. You know it's supposed to be funny, and you realize at that moment that you're not laughing. That's that's never good. Um, and this is where the the biggest problem with the movie comes from, I think. The marketing of the movie showed that they didn't know who the father was. She didn't know, and neither did the audience. And this was going to be the joy of the movie. But even as an, a 10 or 11 year old watching this movie, I knew how it was going to end. I, I definitely knew it. And I didn't want it to be that ending, but I thought, I really hope it doesn't end this way, but sure enough, it just might end. And yeah, neither Billy Crystal or Robin Williams are in fact the father. The father is Bruce Greenwood. And she lied to both of them to try to get them to find her son. And this, to me, makes her one of the most despicable characters <laughs> of the late 90s, at least in comedies. Um, it's And the way that the film treats her isn't like that at all. And I think that's awful. I really do. And this, this isn't a sexist thing or anything like that, but to do that to somebody, not just one person, but two people, and potentially ruin their lives because uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is so suspicious of Billy Crystal the entire movie, and it almost ruins their engagement, their marriage, their potential marriage, at least, um, is quite disgusting. But uh, there's no comeuppance for her or anything like that. So, there's, there's that. Um... So that's it for the notes. Uh, to break anything else down, um, there's a lot of uh, comedic bits, or attempted comedic bits, I should say, that try to lighten the mood, that try to have banter between Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. And there should be great banter. Absolutely. But this is where I think the problem lies with the film. And I'm going to quote Roger Ebert here, uh, because I think he summed it up best with it, but... 
you can give a script to Billy Crystal and a bunch of actors. Not comedians, but actors. And it'll be great. And this is me talking. But if you give a script to Billy Crystal and Robin Williams, two comedians, two brilliant comedians, then there's going to be an issue. There's going to be a problem. And I think that's where, the, that's where it comes from. Roger Ebert, in his review, and I read it years ago, but I always remembered it because I think it sums up the movie perfectly, that he said that Robin Williams and Billy Crystal could have improvised a better movie than what the script gave them. And I believe that's true. Robin Williams is a great improviser, and Billy Crystal is extremely quick on his feet. These guys were tied down to a script that did not work, and they had to work with it. And, you know, God bless them. I mean, Robin Williams is all in on this ultra-ridiculous performance of his. I mean, this is Robin Williams times 10. I remember when, you know, he died a few years ago, and it was, it was, that was really bad. Yeah, it was horrible. And this was the first movie I watched after I had heard that he died. And it was, I, I don't know why I picked this movie. I think because I was probably just what I said earlier, and that I wanted to find more good things here. Because it's not like the movie doesn't have any laughs in it. It does have a few. And by a few, I mean literally a few. It's probably three, maybe four at best. But, uh, and the, the, the other problem with that being, well, maybe if the, if the laughs don't come, the dramatic parts will make up for it. They don't. The dramatic parts don't make up for it at all. So what you have is a very mediocre film, and unfortunately for two, I believe they were best friends. For two best friends, two comedic geniuses to make a movie together, and this be the movie is why it's so upsetting. Because I've always said, it's not a bad movie, it's not a good movie, but I think it comes off as a bad movie to a lot of people. And it can, in my mind, sometimes, I can criticize it a lot more than it deserves to be, simply because the movie isn't as good as it should be. It's a very rare type of flick, uh, to put it in its basest form. It's, it has, you see all the talent on the paper, and when you see the film, you just wonder, well, what the hell happened? So overall, well, it is what it is. One way or the other, there's uh, not a whole lot else I could say about it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a blemish on on their uh, filmography. I think both, both actors have far worse movies in their filmography. Uh, Robin Williams has Flubber. Um... He has Patch Adams. Billy Crystal has the king of shit 90s comedies, My Giant, uh, which came out just a year later. And thank God he cranked out Analyze This because that would have been the end of it. I, I guarantee it. And once again, that was My Giant was another movie made with good intentions. It just turned out to not be what it should have been. So... That's my debut episode. I have probably had three or four glasses of wine. If this has been somewhat incoherent, I definitely do apologize. But thank you for hitting the download button on this episode. If I were to give a rating to Father's Day to top it off, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
Father's Day is a solid 5 out of 10. Not bad, not good. Anyway, continue to check us out on iTunes and hit hit the download button in the future on Podbean. Uh, our next episode being WWF No Mercy 2001, which we'll be recording a week from Mother's Day. It's the reason why we're doing this quick take is because this Sunday was Mother's Day and none of us bothered to realize it until the very last minute. So... Thank you very much. I hope this took you from point A to point B, like we're intending it to do. And uh, once again, I am Charlie Stabile at CM underscore Stan.